Welcome to Stepping Into Health, Inspiring Conversations with Tamara Ortigal. Join me for engaging conversations with people who are shining their light in the world. You will hear us chat about business, relationships, spirituality, community, hobbies, and health, all the things that contribute to our vitality and wholeness. Although I love to talk about food as medicine, energy healing, and other holistic modalities, at the root of my health coaching practice are these questions. Why do you want to be healthy? And what steps are you willing to take to get there? Through my podcast, I hope to increase your awareness of what is possible and to inspire you to take action. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started today, I want to share some information about my favorite whole food supplement, Juice Plus. My family has been taking Juice Plus for 11 years and consider it insurance against the common cold, flu, and other seasonal viruses that go around. We have had fewer sick days in general, and even when we have caught something, our symptoms have been milder and shorter in duration. This is invaluable for our busy family of five. Juice Plus includes 30 different varieties of fruits, veggies, and berries put into a capsule or a gummy. It's the perfect addition to a healthy diet, but also mission critical for people who are unwilling or unable to eat 7 to 13 servings of these foods on a daily basis. It's great for kids who are picky eaters because it not only gives them nutrition today, but serves to expand their palate over time, improving the odds that as adults they will eat more fruits and veggies. It's also great for seniors who are no longer eating as much as they did when they were younger and more active. It bridges the gap between what we are eating and what our body needs to stay healthy longer. We also take Juice Plus plant-based omegas, which are great at fighting inflammation. I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. June Scott will be celebrating her 90th birthday on June 1st. She is a wonderful new friend and an inspiration to people of all ages. I was blessed to meet her along the path at Fullersburg Woods and have enjoyed hearing her amazing stories and been moved by her zest for life. This podcast is a celebration and a nudge for anyone listening who has been sitting back waiting for things to magically happen to get into action. June pursues her passions, shares her gifts, and serves her community. She lives a life of purpose and is still striving for more fulfillment. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation. Hi, June. Hi, how are you today? I am fabulous. I'm really uh, so, so excited to talk with you today. And I know everybody listening is going to just really enjoy our conversation. Well, thank you. I certainly hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To begin, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? All right. Um, Let's see. I am um, June Scott, a widow, a mother, uh, a grandmother, a friend, a teacher, a reader, a super agers, because I'm in a study at Northwestern, and of course, the Penquin Lady, and I have uh, an owner of a yurt. In addition, um, I'm an intrepid uh, traveler. I have visited all 50 states, seven continents, and 97 countries. And to me, travel is more than a destination. It's a new way of looking at the world and its people and places. And um, just doing all sorts of things and have been, been, you know, uh, eager to continue learning. Yeah. Well, when I met you on the path at Fullersburg Woods, uh, we have had so many great conversations. And I know you have lived just an amazing life. And I think you have so much to offer to, you know, people of all ages as to how to live 
you know, really optimally. And um, so I'm super excited for you to share a lot of that experience with us and tips, you know, for anything you might have to offer that um, has helped you along the way. I look forward to that. Yeah. So you do have a special birthday coming up on June 1st. Uh, (laughs) Do you mind telling everybody how old you're going to be? You know what? I certainly do not because uh, to me, um, each birthday at my age is a gift not afforded to others. Um, So on June 1st, I will be 90 years old. And to me, uh, that's being very, very blessed. And I look forward to celebrating with my family. And as I say, age never meant anything. You know, I didn't mind 40. I figured that 50 was 60 in acceptance, 70, wow, I'm still here, 80 younger relationships because many of my friends, uh, you know, are dying, and 90, my gosh, to think how many and more adventures I can have at this age. So. Yeah, oh my gosh. My mom's mom uh, lived to 96, and um, she just had an amazing life, and uh, so I expect my mom, and I expect my mom, myself, and my sisters, and my brother to be here for a very long time. So uh, I, I'm so happy for you that you've had this vitality for so many years, and I look forward to many more years for you too. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah. What are you going to do to celebrate? Well, you know what? I feel very fortunate as a mother and a grandmother. I'm going to have my whole family together the first time in over a year because my daughters live nearby, but my uh, one granddaughter's in New York working and uh, my son and his family are on the West Coast. So they're coming in and I'm really excited about that. And uh, we will be together and my older daughter has, you know, even uh, enlisted a friend to take our picture, which I never thought we would do that again. I have done that in the past, but she thought it was a good idea to do it again. And of course, um, we usually travel, uh, celebrate um, every five years of the trip. Um, When I was 70, I took everybody on a barge trip, our family on a barge trip to uh, Provence, France. We had our own barge and a crew of five, which was fun. For 75, we went to Costa Rica. 80 was Turkey. 85 was Nabiviac, Africa. And, you know, 90 was to be Patagonia, but we haven't been able to plan it because of the pandemic. So maybe we can plan it for the future. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You sound like my family. We sort of settled on when people graduate from high school, we uh, let them uh, give, you know, say where they want to go. And so um, when my oldest son graduated, we went to Italy. And when my next son graduated, um, we went to Spain and um, he also went on a foreign quarter or semester to Milan. So we went back to Italy. And then last year we were supposed to go to Iceland and to Norway and our trip got canceled. So we're also looking forward to being able to make some, you know, really wonderful plans to celebrate my youngest son's high school graduation. But, you know, we're, we're hoping that's in 2022, but maybe it's, you know, a little further out, who knows. Right. Well, and and we're lucky to be able to travel. And at my age, you know, I am not sure how many years in advance I can plan, but um, I've always enjoyed traveling with my family. And it's interesting when my older granddaughter was um, graduating from Amherst before she started her 
job in Manhattan as an analyst. She says, Grandma, I have a month. I'd like to travel with you. And of course, I said, well, Sarah, that's 60 years difference. And she says, that doesn't matter. She said, but I want to do something exotic. I don't want to go just to Australia or France or Hawaii like my folks. So we went to Tanzania on a safari, which was delightful. <clears throat> and then her mother reminded me I had three other grandchildren. So I took the boys whitewater rafting um, on the Colorado and, you know, flew out of Grand Canyon. And then my uh, younger granddaughter who enjoys theater, we spent a week in New York seeing all the plays we could. So to me, travel is uh, one of my favorite activities. Yeah. And I like what you said, too. When we travel, you know, we will hit cathedrals, but we're not so much into museums. We really just like to people watch and eat the way that they eat and spend time, you know, outdoors hiking and seeing the beauty that's there that's different from where we live. Um, what are your favorite parts of travel? Well, you know, for me to travel is to get to know the people. Because no matter where I go, as I said, be it from India to um, Turkey, to Iran, to Israel, Oman, Dubai, I find the people are the same when you really get to know them in the sense that, you know, we may have different face, different skin color, different languages, different uh, traditions, but we're all human wanting the same things, um, safety and, you know, taking care of our families. And I think in today's world, when there's so much, um, in, um, you know, polarization, I think we have to come to some civil discourse, how we are alike rather than how we are different and, you know, really co collaborate for the future of our world on many accounts. Yeah. You know, I just posted something like that on Facebook. There was a TED talk that was really wonderful and it was about, um, you know, how we view people who are different. And um, I feel like in this pandemic, you know, we have been focusing on what, what are our differences, but we do need to start focusing on what are our similarities. Um, right. Because even our closest, dearest family and friends may not have the same view of some things like vaccines or return to work or masking or traveling or eating out at restaurants or different things like this. But um, you know, if we can be loving and kind, you know, we can appreciate people's differences and still maintain our relationships. Right. And we, and we have to learn to listen and respect. And um, just because you disagree um, doesn't mean you haven't some uh, core values. And I always feel like, um, you know, if somebody has a different opinion, I can ask. So can you explain why you believe that or how you came to that? You know, because I'd like to learn more. And now they may not change my opinion, but uh, it will help me understand where they're coming from. And I, um, uh, about a year ago, I went to a Rhodes Scholar program called Teaching Debate to um, Seniors because they figure the seniors, you know, can uh, lead civil discourse and, you know, that we have to really do more of this listening and understanding each other and, um, you know, go forward on a positive note. Yeah, I think that's really great that they offered that and that you attended because I feel like there are those seniors that I know who have really hibernated during COVID um, and uh, isolated as they've been asked to. 
um, and suffered, you know, some sa sadness and depression as a result. And then there's been other seniors who have traveled and, you know, uh, had a little bit more expansive bubble and, uh, and haven't felt quite the effects of that. And, um, well, and I have found that, um, um, there's, you know, we've learned things and there's some positive things. We've taken time to spend time, you know, with ourselves and, uh, you know, being creative, be it reading or writing or, uh, you know, trying new recipes. But I've also, uh, you know, become very proficient, hopefully on Zoom. And I started Zooming with my high school friends and my college friends. And of course, we're all over the country and all over the world. You know, and obviously with, you know, close friends and, um, you know, family. So that keeps us in touch. And of course, with all my travels, I give a lot of travel programs and I would do them in person. And um, um, a year ago, I was to do a program for the Geographic Society of Chicago at the Cultural Center. Well, of course, we couldn't last April. So they asked me if I would be a guinea pig and perhaps do it over, uh, you know, as an, in a webinar and such. So I have continued to do that, giving my travel programs through, um, you know, um, Zoom and, you know, keynote presentations, because I can, you know, show pictures and, you know, share my adventures, which has been um, fun for me. And it seems from the feedback, other people have enjoyed it too. Oh, that's so cool. What is the um, topic of your, um, of your talks? Uh, well, it depends on where they want to go. Uh, um, uh, I think my favorite is the Antarctic. And um, another one is the Siberian Railroad. Um, another one is Cuba. Another one is Iran. Um, another one is um, the polar bear adventure. Oh, my <laughs> um, goodness. Uh, you know, uh, or, um, you know, trekking for gorillas, depending on what... I've done in the past or what, you know, the audience wants. So I have quite a uh, list of programs I can give. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. We'll have to um, circle back offline and get the link for that for our podcast notes. Okay. <laughs> oh, how fun. You know, um, I'm wondering if you don't mind telling me um, how long you've been a widow and how long you were married. Okay. Well, you know what, um, May. I will be a widow 22 years and um you know it's still i still miss my best friend and um we met in college up at carlton and um he uh went to uh lagrange high school i went to hinsdale high school but we didn't meet till we got to carlton and so we are married 45 years and um the last 12 years i was a caregiver because um, June of 87, at the age of 57, he had um, open heart surgery to replace his valve. <clears throat> and um, it seemed to be doing well. But then on Thanksgiving day of 87, he had a cardiac arrest, which is different than a heart attack or a stroke. It means blood stops flowing to, with, because it's an upset of the electrical system. Blood stops flowing to the brain. And so as a result, he had a severe memory loss. Very few people, um, you know, lived through a cardiac arrest, but we are fortunate he did. 
Um, but then he had, you know, six months of rehab and never worked again, but he volunteered. And we continued traveling, which was exciting. Um, his doctor didn't want us to, but he said, I don't want to live in a glass bowl. And um, he was quite an adventuresome gentleman. And I asked our three children individually what they thought. And they said, well, mom, you and dad have saved for traveling if you still want to. So we continued. We went to Europe. We went to Australia, China, um, Egypt. And I'm so happy that we did because we always wanted to believe that uh, we were happy we did something rather than fearing that, you know, wish we had done something instead of saying, oh, wish we had, we can say we did it. So that was, uh, you know, exciting for us. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that he had that challenge, but um, I'm so happy that you got to, you know, still be active and create new memories with him during that time. We certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. You know, it, it is about perspective. Um, you know, two of my kids have Crohn's disease and um, they were eight and 13 when they were diagnosed. And that year we had made plans to go on a cruise and I was a little bit nervous about going on a cruise anyway, because you always hear people get different foodborne pathogens and things like that. But um, then they got diagnosed and I asked the gastroenterologist, I'm like, oh my goodness, like we can't go on this cruise, right? And he was like, you are going on that cruise. Like you are going to never, ever let this uh, diagnosis stop you from doing something that you want to do. And I feel like he really planted that seed pretty solidly in our family that we would never, ever let the disease stop us. And uh, we found ways to, you know, still do everything that we ever wanted. And um, I think I'm really grateful that he, uh, he gave us permission to live our life. You know, I, I, you know I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that is so important. People say, um, you know, I have celiac and they'll say, well, how can you travel? Well, you travel, you just don't eat, uh, you know, you can eat fruit, meat and vegetables and you eliminate the wheats and the barleys and the rye and you go forward and, you know, you're not going, well, sometimes you go for the food, but, you know, many times you're going for the experience of meeting people and, and learning and the history and such. So now we have to always continue to go forward, I believe. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, have you ever had a health challenge or have you been blessed with basically, you know, good health? Well, you know what? I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I can tell you a funny experience, you know, um, growing up, my, my younger brother, I was the oldest of three, my oldest and my um, sister is very thin. I always thought I was, my dad said, you were built when beef was cheap. <laughs> and I said, uh, my brother wanted my legs because they were really solid. And he said, June, someday you'll be glad you have them. So every day when I'm walking, I say, thank you, Dad. They're still working at 90 and such. Oh, so. my gosh. Hey, that's so <laughs> funny. You're not a big person at all. But maybe, you know, maybe compared to your family, but compared to the rest of us, you're not big at all. <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't think I, you know, I'm shrinking. But um, I, you know what? I've only had one, and that was interesting. Just before we left for Egypt, I was put on a, a medicine called Dapsin. And, um, and, of course, I was once we traveled with my husband and his uh, memory loss. Um, he was a wonderful traveler because his uh, old memory was great. He had the history of Egypt, but I had to be responsible for, you know, everyday handling. 
And um, so the last day I was really very tired, but I thought, well, it's just the responsibility. You know, we'd been gone, what, two plus weeks. But then I collapsed on the plane coming back and they took me to the hospital once we landed and they discovered that the medicine had um, depressed my immune system. So I had no, you know, immune system. So they put me in isolation and they discovered that it was the medicines, but I never had any repercussions after that. And uh, it's interesting and I couldn't see anybody. And I can remember the first night I was so tired. Um, in the second day, I thought, oh my gosh, what's happening? And the, all, all of a sudden I had this very serene feeling well, you can't do anything about it. Just, you know, relax. It's going to be okay. So, you know, I would get up and walk around in my room and do my exercises even then. And, you know, my family was there and very supportive. And uh, a young um, resident happened to discover that what had happened. And I guess they even wrote a, um, an article about it because it was so unique. Very few people had had that experience. So, that's the biggest, you know, the only other time I was in the hospital was to have my three children. So knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> Very healthy. And how, and how about celiac? How old were you when you were diagnosed with that? Uh, in my seventies. And it's interesting because um, there again, I don't have any of the typical symptoms of diarrhea, constipation, upset stomach, uh, reflex, things like that. But I was um, anemic, <clears throat> excuse me. And my doctor was concerned. She said, June, you're never anemic. So of course they did the blood tests and they did all the other tests and found that I do have celiac and such. So the first year was exciting getting new recipe books. Uh, the second one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a low point there when you, you know, you can't have that pizza and the bread is like cardboard. Now things are much better. The products, there's many more products out there right now. Um, but you also have to be careful because you don't want them to have sugar uh, to replace, you know, for the taste. But I have learned to eat gluten-free, entertain gluten-free. Most people don't know, um, you know, when they have a menu. I mean, they know I have uh, celiac. In fact, in the beginning, I wondered, do I tell people if I go to dinner? And I thought, you know, I better because if I get there and they're serving lasagna and bread and I can't have it, it'd be better to warn them. And of course, now everybody knows. But there again, um, I it's a handicap and such. You just learn to live, like you said, with your boys. And, um, you know, you know, and there again, when I was diagnosed with celiac, I thought, you know, it's not cancer. It's not heart disease. Uh, Parkinson, MS, how fortunate. This is something I can do something about. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, we're very fortunate that we can manage it. Um, and I, I help people make that transition to gluten-free a lot of times because, you know, we've already gone through the products that, like you say, don't taste very good. And we've landed on the ones that we think are really delicious. And, um, so many people love to eat with us because we're serving things that are just real food, you know, and, uh, and, and good for you and good for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's always so fun to see, especially kids, you know, 
come over and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is gluten-free pasta because it's made with quinoa or something. And right. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, food is always such a fun, fun way to commune, you know? Well, that's one of the things that I've done during this pandemic staying in place. I usually try at least one or two new recipes during the week, you know, just for adventures and difference. <laughs> Living yeah. alone, I want variety. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. Because we've been eating more at home. Um, right. Yeah. It's great to you know, keep it lively and, and tasting good. Yeah. Um, tell me about your first career. What did you go to college to study and what did you do before you had children? Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I went to Carleton College and uh, I have a, you know, a degree in psychology and um, I was married right on, uh, seven, five days after we graduated. My husband was in the service and we uh, drove to back to Alexandria where he was at Fort Belvoir. We had an apartment and I worked for the telephone company. And then when we came back 18 months later, uh, I was expecting. So my first career I consider is raising my family of three um, children, two girls and a boy. And I was one of those lucky women in the generation where I was at a, a, a at-home mother and it was accepted. I wasn't that I had to be a super mom. And I enjoyed being a mom. Um, and, you know, I was involved with their school, picture lady, room mother. Uh, and then um, all of a sudden, uh, one of my friends said, my youngest, my son, was going off to, I think, junior high or high school. And she said, June, I think you'd like to teach. You'd, you'd enjoy it because you enjoy young people. Because I'd been scouts and, and Cub Scouts. And uh, I thought, well, okay, maybe. So I decided to visit my nearby school and found that they were looking for um, teachers and substitutes. And so I evaluated my credentials. And of course, <clears throat> Carleton did not have um, primary education. So I had to take three courses. I needed a philosophy of education, a music methods, and a math, I think. And so there again, I found those three and then I had to find a professor. Um, and I did find a professor to supervise my student teaching. And um, so I did my teaching, student teaching in Hinsdale at Lane School in kindergarten, <coughs> where my older granddaughter went later on. And then I um, started my second career as a um, couple years at Lane School, and then I moved out to Darien, um, Cast 63, in second grade, and then third grade. <clears throat> and I guess my third career was as a counselor, because by that time I had my master's in counseling from Northern Illinois University. And so the last 16, 20 years, I, at um, Concord School, I was the counselor for an elementary building, and I really enjoyed it. People would ask me if I missed teaching, and um, I said, well, you know, it was, this was a perfect transition because um, I was able to follow a child from preschool all the way through fourth grade to see the growth, and um, I was the first counselor at the building and developed the program. We had a program 
um, I would be in the cl each classroom um, every week for skills for growing, like problem solving, um, self-confidence, uh, health, and uh, really got to know the children. I would have friendship groups, uh, anger management groups, grief groups, um, friendship groups, and divorce groups. So, you know, helping families and students through different situations. And so uh, I think that was my third career. And as you know, um, I was substituting, except now with the pandemic, I have not this year. But up to that time, I was substituting. And I'd always be in elementary. And then they asked me to do junior high. And I really enjoy junior high because they are doing so many interesting things and projects. And I feel they're our future leaders. Young uh, people are our future leaders. And we have to really support them and engage them in the world and such. So I think, as I say, that's a third. And I've renewed my teaching license. So be good to 95. And they don't seem to have a, a age limit. So I'll go back to it uh, as soon as I can. I know. I love that. I absolutely love it that you still love to be around kids. And I, I imagine they just can't get enough of you either because so many kids don't have grandparents. And you have so much to offer them. And I just think that's so special that you're still doing that. So, well, and you know what, um, part of my zooming, I was telling you, I was zooming with, you know, high school and college friends, but, um, I'm still in touch with many of my, um, former students, um, you know, and, um, they are on all different coasts. They're lawyers, there's, they're doctors, they're business people, they're, um, instructors, professors, and so I usually in January would and have for about 10, 12 years a Penquin party because I am the Penquin lady. That's another story if you want to hear that one. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead and tell us. Yeah. Oh, you want my pen? Okay. Um, well, how it came to be is um, my mother in law went to the Antarctic in um, 1975, brought back these beautiful, beautiful pictures because she was a photographer and um about the same time in august of that year uh, my sister-in-law sent me a t-shirt and a skirt with a penguin on it and a teacher in august is looking for a theme so i thought oh i know penguins pep in your step pride in your stride and i put penguins all over my <laughs> my classroom because i didn't know at the time there were 17 different kinds different sizes different colorings. So my emperors and my uh, dailies and my rock hoppers were all the same. But you know what? You can teach anything with penguins. Language arts, math, uh, history, geography, what have you. And of course, it was very popular with the young people. They wanted Mrs. Scott in third grade because we studied penguins. <laughs> of course, we did, but we also studied the uh, continent, the explorers, I would give them the story of Amundsen and um, um, Robert Falcom Scott's race to the, um, the South Pole, one taking horses, one taking uh, ponies, one taking dogs, who got there first. And you know, we studied it, all kinds of things. So um, I became the Penquin Lady. And um, if at Christmas I got 30 presents um, after a while, 25 would be penguins. So you can imagine my collection by now. 
and such. So as a result, <clears throat> after I, you know, I started having these Penquin parties with my former students of all different classes, and I'd make Penquin cookies, <clears throat> Penquin cake, Penquin appetizer, Penquin cookies, sandwiches, uh, they even have gummy Penquins. And um, someday I'll have to give you the recipe for the uh, Penquin appetizer. Maybe I should just describe it to you. Oh my gosh, yeah, tell us. Okay. Um, can you uh, visualize a, 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 a colossal black olive? So you have this black olive and you cut a little slit and then you put a little cream cheese in there for, you know, his uh, fun, a tummy. And then you take a smaller one and you put a, a slit <coughs> parallel and um, you uh, take a carrot and you slice a round carrot slice and you cut out a little triangle and it becomes the, uh, the mouth and the other part becomes the feet. And so then you take a toothpick and put it through the little one, the big one to the feet. And then you have a penguin appetizer. Oh can my you, gosh. Can yes. you visualize that? Yes. And you know what? I, I absolutely love all kinds of olives. And my brother-in-law, Dave, uh, loves black olives. So I'm going to have to make that because he well, will just love I've it. Had, I've had friends take it home in their purse so they could show it to their families. <laughs> but anyway, and so this year, obviously, I couldn't have it. And then I got to think, why can't I have it? Now, I can't serve anything, but I... I set up a Zoom uh, invitation for my students from California to New York, to the South, to the North. And it was so much fun because those who usually couldn't come, could come. And as I say, they're in all different classes and such. So um, that was fun to see them and keep in touch with them. And to me, there again, to see them teaching or serving or raising their family, you know, uh, you know, working with problems as a lawyer, I, you know, really respect them what they're doing. Oh, that's so cool. You know, um, you're reminding me of my childhood. I uh, was very close to, I was in a hybrid class for fourth and fifth grade. And so Miss Solom was my favorite teacher. And she was very much like a librarian, like that's what she looked like, a traditional librarian, but she was so kind and loving that when I got married in my 20s, uh, I invited her and she came to my wedding. And, um, and then my very favorite teacher in high school was named Renata Di Pasquale, and she was this gorgeous Polish woman. She was young and she was bright and she was just such a model to me that you can be beautiful, bright, fun. Like she just inspired me so much. And I always wanted to have a daughter and name her Renata. And uh, <laughs> it didn't work out. I have three boys, but I'm always, you know, urging someone to have a daughter named Renata. Um, so well, and for and you know what? Uh, teachers, you know, they say teachers, you don't know where your, um, your influence stops. So, you know, I still, you know, as you say, I've been to weddings and showers because now they're having families of their own. In fact, a couple of them text me and said that, you know, they were, their kids have loved watching my travel programs and such. So you don't know where the, you know, the, the ripple will end. No, absolutely. Oh my gosh. How cool is that? Wow. 
So, okay, so traveling is a huge hobby and obviously subbing these days. What are some other hobbies that you have or ways that you volunteer in the community? Okay, um, let me see. Um, of course, I'm the care team at church and I, you know, make calls on, uh, not in person, but on phones to, you know, uh, people that can't get out and about, or we delivered um, poinsettias at Christmas and was at Easter. Um, I also um, volunteer for Buddy's Place, and Buddy's Place uh, is under the auspices of Pillars, and we facilitate grief groups for families that have lost a loved one. And we just finished our uh, uh, our spring session, eight sessions, and there again we haven't been able to meet in person, but we did it over Zoom. And they could, you know, if they were, you know, um, in the car coming home from school or, you know, at their grandmother's, they could join us wherever they were. And um, to me, um, the opportunity to journey with these fam young families who have lost a father or a mother or a sibling or a grandparent um, and how brave they are to join us in these sessions where we try to give them things in their toolbox that they will have a healthy uh, grieving process so they know they will always honor their loved one, acknowledge their feelings, and, um, you know, be able to share them and look for support. And uh, we usually break down in different groups, us, uh, the, the young ones, the school age, the teens, the parents also, uh, you know, join us and such. So that has been very gratifying. Um, and, um, and I do my travel programs. Um, um, I do, you know, I trying new recipes, I, I told you. And I'm also writing Story Worth. Uh, and, um, oh, and another thing, I'm in a super ager study. Did I ever tell you about that? No, tell me about that one. Okay, um, in Northwestern, about five or, no, I think it was almost close to 10 years ago, a friend said, June, uh, Northwestern is studying the healthy brain. And um, they are looking for people over 80 who still have pretty good memories. And so I thought, well, okay. So what you I did was I called Northwestern then they make an appointment with you for a 45 uh, minute conversation on the phone where they give you all kinds of um, memory tests, numbers back and forth, stories, listing all the words you can think of in a minute with starting with S or all the vegetables or all the animals. And then they, you know, go back and then they let you know if you're going to be in the study. And of course I was accepted and they've had over a thousand um the last time I checked, they had over a thousand people apply and only about 60, you know, have, or 65 have been accepted. So, um, as I say, um, we usually go in once a year, you know, I'm in a course study and then the super agers and they, they test you every day, every year. And they also take a blood test and do an MRI of your brain. And they've discovered that the people in the study have brains that are like 50 and 60 year olds rather than 80 year olds. 
So it's there again, when I do something like this, I do it because I, I can learn something and such. So I've enjoyed being the study. I was just, you know, evaluated uh, about a week ago. Um, so they even do it over the phone since we can't go in uh, in person. So that's been an interesting experience. And then uh, North uh, Rush is studying the um, unhealthy brain. And uh, they also have start, just started a, a study called Mind and Move. And um, I was accepted in that um, study too, but I'm in the control group. So there again, I keep learning and they keep testing. And to me, it's interesting. And, you know, hopefully you're still using your brain. And, you know, I think dementia is such a sad, sad experience for an individual or a family, because I've seen uh, some of my dear friends, um, you know, who died from dementia or, you know, other things. And um, I am donating my brain because I figured that at my age, none of my organs would be of any good to anyone. But um, I am donating my brain and hopefully that maybe it would be of service to, you know, their study and they can learn something from it. So. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are, um, yeah, you are, your lifestyle is contributing so much to your very healthy brain. And that's so cool. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've been lucky, you know, I, I, you know, I'm blessed because I am strong and have a lot of energy and I know my young students and I walk with quite a few young people, you know, they're probably in their fifties and sixties and, Oh, I want to be like you when I grow up. I said, you want to be old and gray and wrinkled? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. You're so funny. Well, I know you're an avid reader too. Tell me about the um, book club that you're in and the most book club, the most recent um, book that you led a discussion about. Okay. Well, I'm in more than one book group. Um, I'm, I'll tell you about the serious one, but one of the most interesting books is um, I have a relatively new neighbor. And when this all started, um, she called and she said, June, uh, I know you're in a serious book group, but you know, my um, Theta friends from college are starting a new book group and we're going to be just reading um, things on racism. Would you like to join? And I thought, there again, these are young women in their 50s and their 60s. I would certainly learn something, and we'd be doing it over Zoom. So there again, I read some mighty interesting books, maybe some I might not have. But to tell you about my serious book group, which is a book group of 45 women, and it's been in existence since about 1968, and my daughter's in it too. And... Um, I happen to be the president during these last couple of years when this has happened. And so um, before the pandemic, we would meet in um, different uh, members' houses and we'd present a book and we do it as co-facilitators. Well, being on Zoom now has there again enhanced our programs because we've used PowerPoint and Keynote where you can present uh, like one um, person actually contacted the local author and was able to get some of her history from her. And my uh, presentation was in um, April and it was a book called A Girl with Seven Names. And 
to me, it has opened up a world of fascination. As a traveler, I'm interested in the Middle East and different countries. And so this is a story of a young woman who defected from North Korea. And of course, uh, since then, I have not only read that book, but I've read four other books about North Korea. Now I want to go to North Korea. So that is a book. And I find the books that I present become some of my favorite because you really dwell, delve into them. Now that's a recent one. Another one I had presented uh, earlier was uh, Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkinson which is, tells about the migration of the black population in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Very interesting book. Um, another one was um, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And this is a black woman who in the 50s uh, went to Baltimore Hospital and uh, she had cancer. They gave her barium, but they also some took some of her cells and it was the first kind of cell that Dr. Gay was able to study that would replicate itself and not die. And so her, that particular, her particular cells have been used in all kinds of cancer research, Alzheimer's, all sorts of effects. So that's an interesting story. Um, let's see. Oh, another one I didn't present, but I found interesting was, um, uh, Hero of the Empire, and it's, it was like an adventure story where um, uh, Churchill is, uh, you know, um, during the Boer War, he's a journalist, and he's on a train, and he gets shot, and he gets captured, and he's in prison, and he escapes, and I mean, it's just like a regular um, adventure story. So as you can tell, I like different kinds of stories. Another one recently was um, Being Mortal by Atu Gawande, which talks about, you know, doctors are always taught to solve problems, try another test, another, you know, medicine. And um, he, talking to hospice nurses, realized maybe the important part is older people get to the end of their age to ask them and inquire them how they want to spend their last days on earth. You know, do they want another test? Do they want some more medicine? And they give an example of a young woman who had three children. And she said, you know what? I'd rather spend the last three months at home with my children rather than another medicine being sick for six months. So it was a sort of an eye-opening uh, book that I think a lot of people would benefit from. So, um, and then of course, Cast by Isabel Wilkinson through uh, my um, uh, uh, my uh, racial book group, so there's so many good books out there. I, you know, I have so many sitting. I, you know, finishing one now, and I'm going to finish and start another one today. So we're yeah. lucky to have so many good books. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, I I love reading too, and it's it is it's kind of like a companionship because you get so into the characters and the story and the places that they take you and. Um, it, I love being in a book club too, because What's you your so well, um, I seem to be reading some self-help books these days, but you know, I did that one podcast, um, on the book, this is where you belong, the art and science of loving where you live. And, uh, that really spoke to me a lot because I'm in this transition where 
I just moved from my family home in Naperville where I lived for 21 years and raised my boys. And um, to get closer to the city, my husband and I moved to a condo in Oak Park. And my college age student, you know, comes and goes, but he spends most of his time on campus in Champaign. So it's been, you know, really weird to move during this time. Um, and we're still trying to sort out whether condo living is the right thing for us. <laughs> we, we wanted to be able to lock the door and go and travel and um, spend time. We have a, a small lake house in Michigan. And so we go there too. But, um, you know, the pandemic, you know, has limited us a little bit. We did we did travel. We went on seven different uh, getaways over the pandemic. And so wow, we have traveled. Good. Yeah, we've been on the road. But um, but yeah, so, you know, but it's very interesting in that book. Um, you know, it really talks about basically you bring yourself wherever you go. So, um, you know, you the fact bloom where you're planted, you do. And, you know, I'm trying really hard to bloom in Oak Park, but, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not finding that yet, but I haven't given up. And if not in Oak Park, then I can bloom maybe in Hinsdale or LaGrange or uh, Oak Brook or, you know, all the other places I'm, it's so cute. I'm taking golf lessons right now in, in Oak Brook and, um, you know, I'll go and work out in different facilities or yoga studios or whatever, um, just kind of trying things on for size to see if maybe, you know, I can have my needs met in multiple places and I don't have to, you know, try so hard. I can let, I can pause, give myself a chance and just let life unfold the way it's supposed to. Um, right. And, and that's the best way not to stress it out. Take it day by day and, and, and enjoy the experience and the new experience. And some you like, some you like better than others. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that we'll ever live anywhere as long as we lived in that last home. And so mourning a little bit of what used to be, you know, just I, my kids are 19, 24 and 25. And so, you know, every once in a while, that wave of emotion comes over me where I miss the five of us living together in the same house. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do spend a lot of time together because they just live in Chicago. But, um, you know, it is like I look around and I, I go, wow, you know, this is just our space. It's not the five of our space. It's only the three of our space. And, um, you know, it's just a little reckoning that, you know, life is carried on and I'm 55 now and, you know, a, just a new, a new stage, a new stage. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, accepting that and, and looking for what's good about it. And, uh, I have yeah. been very fortunate to, you know, have met you and many other people during the pandemic. So I do feel like my life is continuing to move forward. Um, just not in the way that I thought it was going to. That's often the way. Well, and you know, that's one thing you're talking about a house. Um, uh, my husband and I uh, built our first two houses, one in Hansdale and uh, the second one where I'm still here in Oak, Oak Brook, um, 53 years ago. During this pandemic, I have been so fortunate to stay in my house because I can walk down my hill to Fullersburg. Or I can walk up my hill and see all the daffodils in my yard, as, as opposed to some of my friends when I Zoom from my high school friends or my college friends. They're in retirement communities, and they're small, little, lovely places, but, you know, they can't get out. They can't go anywhere, and they can't have anybody in, and uh, they have their meals brought to them. So I just feel 
my freedom has been um, very valued during this time of pandemic. Yeah, I think it's true. I think you're very fortunate. Um, and, you know, like there's no wrong choice. It's just uh, sort of learning more about yourself. And, you know, I'm trying this on and I'm going to either get used to it and fall in love with it or I'm going to pivot and do something else. So but I, nothing's forever. You can change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Life, life is a journey. And of course, um, I also am, you know, looking forward to the end of the pandemic because I have a yurt on the West Coast. Do you know what a yurt is? You know what? I have never been to one. Uh, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. We went to Montana skiing over, you know, right before the Christmas holiday and they had a yurt. Um, and so I did get to see one, but it was closed. I, we, I got to, it, the door was unlocked, so I got to go in, but I didn't get to see it in like the reality. So tell me about your yurt. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, our son, um, um, rode his bike across the United States when he was a young man. And he always, always wanted to go west. So after he graduated from college in the east and worked in the Chicago to get something on his resume, he packed his truck and went out to Washington State and has been out there ever since, what, 35, 36 years. And such. so my husband and I would always go out to visit and uh, we thought maybe we would move out, but because of his health problems, we stayed in the Midwest, to, you know, to be near his doctors. But um, after Andy was gone, I continued going out and we'd always do um, these three generation hikes. And we always thought, you know, we would build our third house out there. So one day in, in 2005, the, the three generations were hiking and we were on a high bank waterfront property looking across at the Olympic mountains and I, it's just gorgeous. And I said, you know what? Teasingly, this is where I should build my next house. Well, I was just making a comment. I wasn't, you know, serious. And then of course I come home and all of a sudden uh, a month or two later, I get a call from my son. He's mom, the property's for sale. And I say, what does that have to do with me? And well, <laughs> and I was going to go out in a few months. And then they called maybe a week before and they said, mom, somebody from Hawaii is bidding on the property. And so I went out and um, this is a, a property is five and a half acres and it's all wooded. <clears throat> and as I say, you can see the Olympic mountains, the snow and, you know, down the, you know, the, to the bay and walk down to the beach and see the, you know, um, all the water. And um, I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be fun to have some property here? And then I thought, you know what? I, my heart says yes, but I better go home to the Midwest and see where my head is on my shoulders. So <clears throat> I came home thought about it. And I thought, can't do it any younger. Not everybody at 70 has a year. So I decided to buy the property. But then what do you build? I didn't want a log cabin. I had a house. And my son had a friend who had just built one. So he showed it to me and I fell in love with it. And because it's circular and uh, it's a circular fabric structure over a wooden lattice frame and these 50 Douglas fir rafters beautiful and so um, that's what we decided to do and um, we bought a kit 
And uh, my son said, they would build it for you. But he said, no, 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 we're going to build it ourselves. And he invited all his friends to come. <clears throat> they came by boat and trailer and uh, sailboat and what have you. And we spent the weekend, we had a yurt raising instead of a, uh, a uh, barn raising. And you know what? It has been a most wonderful, wonderful experience because um, it's uh, spiritual. Whenever I go there, it's very quiet and peaceful and you can relax. <clears throat> and every summer, you know, somebody comes out with me. My students have been out. My principal's been out. My superintendent uh friends that i've met on my travels and of course my young my family is out there all the time and such so that i that's my yurt story and in fact um a few weeks afterward my son said mom you're on youtube and i said what how can i be on youtube well a young friend of his had taken time-lapse photography of the yurt going up so you can actually see the yurt going up. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a fun place to be. And um, as I say, uh, I've just enjoyed it and, you know, spending time, you know, hiking the beach and watching the, you know, the tide come in and out and the mountains change and the sunset and, you know, yeah, good place to read and relax. <laughs> Absolutely. And something different, right? Yeah, we need different views, uh, you know, and experiences to um, help us get perspective sometimes. So right. that's really cool. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's almost time for us to close. Is there anything you would like to share about what those of us younger can do that you think we may not know to stay healthy? Oh, my God. Um... Well, to me, uh, anyone who stops learning is old. And uh, whether you're 20 or 80, anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. And that Henry Ford said that, and I agree with him. So um, I wish to keep learning and growing and contributing and making a difference. Um, I also feel like you have to be flexible. You know, everybody, by the time you get to my age, there's been loss and crises and uh, being flexible. If there's a problem, solve it. What can you learn from it? Uh, to be active in mind and body and soul. And um, as I say, you know, I walk every morning. I did body pump. Um, you know, I do my, um, my uh, stretching exercises. I try to eat healthy. Um, I, and I, you know, another thing, younger relationships. I, I, like I'm thrilled to have met you all on the you, you, the foursome, you know, on Fullersburg path, keeping in touch with my students. <clears throat> I'm also in a um, book group called Wise Aging, and these young people are 50 or 60. You know, I'm the oldest, you know, wise aging, how to age wisely. And um, I think being optimistic, um, looking forward, um, the glass is more than half full being appreciated. You know, every day I get up and I, I'm grateful. I do keep a, um, one of my students gave me a gratitude journal, five minute one. And you think about the three things that were amazing that happened today, or uh, what do you affirm yourself? What do you help to accomplish today? And um, I think um, that that's probably my best um, 
philosophies, just, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I know when I was younger, I would, you know, maybe in my 70s, I'd see seniors being sort of cynical and <clears throat> closed-minded. And I thought, no, I'd never want to be that way. So keep learning, lifelong learner. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm so, so happy that I met you and that you're my friend. And uh, I really appreciate you being on this podcast. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Well, the thank path. you so much for uh, this invitation. I am thrilled to have done it because um, I admire you young people. I looked at your, your, your podcasts. I was impressed with the people on them and the things you're doing. And um, that's why I have faith in our world because of you young people and our future. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with June as much as I did. The podcast notes are filled with gems from June. For starters, read the interesting article published in Condé Nast Traveler, June 14, 2017, titled, Why Travel May Be the Secret for a Longer Life. You will also find one of her travel presentations, a YouTube video on her yurt, the Super Agers study at Northwestern, and several book recommendations she shared with me. June is a woman who follows her heart into action and is a role model for all of us seeking more fulfillment and graceful aging. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to all of our episodes. Feel free to leave a comment so we can learn more about you. We're building a community where we can all learn together. And finally, if you're looking for help implementing healthier habits or would like to learn about Juice Plus, please visit my website to schedule a health chat. I would be honored to help you any way that I can. Have a wonderful day. Be well.